Welcome to Flip the Library, Gwinnett County Public Library's podcast. And I'm Melissa Grimaud, Supervisory Librarian at Norcross Library. And today, our friend Steve Thomas, manager at the Collins Hill Library, will not be here with us, but he will be here in spirit. (laughs) And we are speaking with staff who are bilingual and or learning a new language since diversity is really important to GCPL. We wanted to meet with staff members who have grown up um, learning how to communicate with other people in a um, different language or people who have chosen as adults to start learning a new language. Hi, my name is Christina Gangwish. I'm the manager for the Centerville branch. I speak Italian at an intermediate level. Um, I've also studied Latin and am attempting to learn Spanish. Um, at one point in my history, I would say I was fluent in Italian, um, but it's been a long since time since I had the opportunity to speak it on a regular basis. So these days I try to keep my skills current and use the language when I have the opportunity. Hello, hi, my name is Alicia Alvarez. I am a library associate at the Centerville branch. Um, I speak English and Spanish, and I am learning, uh, trying to relearn Um, French. My name is Sarah Brubaker and I'm a library associate at the Tequila branch. English is my first language but I have been speaking Spanish for about 10 years now so I would say that I am conversationally fluent. I have also been studying American Sign Language for the last year so I have an intermediate proficiency in that. Good morning or good afternoon. My name is Daniel and I'm at the Hamilton Mill branch. Um, I'm an associate there full-time and I natively speak English. I learned Spanish conversationally fluent, probably is how you would say that. And I picked up just a little bit of French, took some classes, and would love to continue that, trying to master Spanish currently. Hi, my name is Wilson Young. I'm a library associate at the Suwannee branch. English is my secondary language, and I speak English. Chinese is my uh, mother tongue. But when we talk about Chinese, is it Mandarin or Cantonese? Of course, Cantonese is my 100% proficiency, and Mandarin, 95%. Hello, everybody. My name is Karen Harris, and I'm the manager at the Peachtree Corners Branch Library. And English, of course, is my primary language, but I do speak some Spanish. Some days really well. Some days it's the buttons just not to be pushed. (laughs) Um, I did a lot of Spanish speaking when I was at the Norcross branch, but that's been years ago. Now I'm at Peachtree Corners. I don't have that customer base. But I've always found languages uh, fascinating. And along with keeping my Spanish up, I'm also interested and am studying Russian on mango languages just because I dream in Russian sometimes. Go figure. Okay, and it's Melissa again, and since I forgot to state um, what languages um, I speak, I'll do that right now. I grew up speaking Haitian Creole. I'm conversational at French, and I have been attempting to learn Korean for three years. So... Since I shared all of that, can you guys share with me um, the opportunities you've had to use your language skills at work? Um, Over the more than 15 years at GCPL, I do and I did have customers, they um, speak uh, 
Mandarin and Cantonese, especially now at Suwanee, because at Suwanee, uh, the population of Chinese is growing. And now our like uh, programs, uh, like story time, we will see a lot, a lot more Chinese participants. I use both Spanish and American Sign Language on a regular basis. Spanish certainly more so than ASL. I use them in both formal settings in our programming as well as informal conversations through daily customer service interactions. With each of those, there's a certain level of unpredictability about how fluent the customer is in either English or their first language. And so uh, there's a great deal of adaptability that's necessary for a staff member when approaching those customer service situations. Um, I've had the opportunity to meet customers at both our Buford and Peachtree Corners branch that have spoken Italian as their native languages. And I've been fortunate to be able to converse with them briefly um, in Italian, which I studied while I was in college. Um, and it's been really a great experience to be able to connect with customers and help them, um, you know, in in ways that can benefit them and make them realize that the library is uh, open to everyone in our community and just wants everyone to be able to access everything that we have to offer. Um, at my branch, we're also offering more prog- programs that are a little bit more geared toward opening up the experience by, you know, perhaps one month we're doing American Sign Language for a story time. We've done Spanish bilingual story times. I'll be doing a uh, story time in October in Italian. So it's a great way to kind of, like I said, let people know what resources we have and that our staff have different backgrounds and can share a little bit more about their interests and histories. I had more opportunities when I was the manager at Lilburn and before that at Norcross to use my Spanish. And of course, it was better then than it is now because I'm not using it as much. But it is uh, nice to be able to meet the customer where they are and frequently customers are happy that you tried to speak to them in their native tongue. Nine times out of ten, they're going to want to speak in English because they're trying to learn English. But it's, it's a nice way to make them feel acknowledged for their, um, that they're, try, they're new to the country or they're new to English. And even I've had a chance to use my language skills on the job. Very rarely, I think maybe once or twice, um, have I been able to use Haitian Creole. But French more often, especially with a lot lot of our um, West African patrons, um, after, after English, I believe French is the most commonly spoken language on the continent. And so... Um, when I hear an accent or see a name, that um, then I'll just introduce myself in French and tell them, "Hey, you know, if you would like, I can, you know, continue the conversation in French." And they get super excited and enjoy. It. And like other people have said, sometimes they like to continue in English, but sometimes they want to continue. So it's a great opportunity to make someone's day and also keep your language skills sharp because if you don't use it you lose it Um, and that also relates since we talked about our experiences with um, 
customers at work, um, how does that change your approach to customer service? Because there are many different ways to navigate that approach to that language. For me, learning another language made me more patient when I'm helping customers whose first language is not English. Um, For example, as I said, I studied Italian in college. I was lucky enough where I was able to do an immersion program and then go and study abroad. And it really illustrated to me that you can speak a language well and still have trouble communicating, especially when you're in a situation that you haven't been in before or there's some special circumstances. Um, You know, because it might be that you understand what's being said, but you just lack the vocabulary to communicate. And one of the best ways that I can illustrate this is that when I was studying Italian when I was a college student, I could read and understand Dante's Inferno very well and talk about it in class. But simple things like going to lunch with people and being like, pass me the salt were really hard because I just didn't have the context for those. So I had to really, when I had that opportunity to go to an immersion program and then study abroad, work harder to learn simple things. And I can see when we have customers come and visit us in the libraries where that's a lot of times with the challenges. They have a certain fluency in the language, but they just haven't used it in our setting. So it can be hard to communicate. And I think if you're just a little bit more patient and understand that and take a little more time to speak with them and try to level with them and, you know, if need be, use some of the tools that we have, like our language line, or maybe finding another staff member who speaks their language, you know, that extra level of customer service can really make it a much better experience for everyone. I always approach every customer service encounter with curiosity. I really want to be able to step into their world, and if it's through the language, the language can frequently help. Um, it does, it's an instant rapport if you can, can start out in their native tongue. Um, and as I said earlier, most of the time, or a great majority of the time, they'll want to practice their English. But it's good for us to learn. It's good for us to be able to step in outside of our comfort zone And as a colleague, a former colleague, uh, said years ago, lean into your own discomfort and and see what you'll find, because there's a lot of gems to be found in those encounters. With any customer service situation that we face at the library, we always start with questions. A customer may walk in and sound very certain of what they want, but we don't know what it is that they're looking for. So if they say can I get a temporary pass? We can't always assume that means they want to print a guest pass. It could be they lost their library card or they're visiting, we just don't know the context. The exact same situation applies to any customer that walks in with a different language background. We may hear an accent that sounds familiar, but we can't make any assumptions about their fluency level or their history with language. So When you are a staff member that has other language abilities, we have to ask both ourselves and the customer a number of questions so that we can decide the best way to navigate that situation. There are many different types of customers who will come to use the library. Some of them will be fairly comfortable with English and they would prefer to just stick with that because that's what they're familiar with, that's what they've come to anticipate. So just because we hear, say, a Spanish accent doesn't mean we should just switch to Spanish. That may make them uncomfortable just by disrupting what they perceive as the norm. However, there may be other customers who uh, 
are putting forward a valiant effort trying to speak English, but if you offer them Spanish or their native language, they will experience immense relief and immediately switch over to that first language. So my rule of thumb is to ask. If there is a customer that sounds like they may be um, speaking a language that you know, then if it sounds like they may be struggling to communicate or they seem a little bit shaky, go ahead and just offer. Say, this is a language proficiency that I have. Would you prefer to make the switch? That simple yes or no question will solve a lot of problems. Of course, if you are anything less than fluent in that second language, you always want to establish your own fluency as well. Uh, with Spanish, I tend to just present myself um, as speaking Spanish uh, fluently, certainly enough to get through the conversation, although being a white woman, it's usually pretty clear that it is my second language, and so um, I do sometimes have to ask customers to slow down or repeat themselves. When it comes to my third language, ASL, I do need to clarify that I'm not fluent, which, again, is usually pretty clear within the first few moments of conversation, but as long as the customer knows what level of fluency I'm operating from, they can then adjust their their own conversation so that we can communicate. I totally agree with what Sarah said. And um, to me, um, language is not just a spoken one. For example, like you may sometimes that you are helping a customer that uh, you don't have uh, any common spoken uh, language. And I always prepared some like, okay, for example, if we say we are using the language line, what about technology breakdown? Like no phone, nothing. And if you're depending on the staff who sp uh, speak that language, what about if you don't have the staff speak that English, uh, that language? And that means you always prepare for, you can help this customer no matter what language he or she speaks. So to me, I would always like to do one thing. It is like, first, it is the friendly uh, approach. Friendly approach is usual, uh, usually it works because you understand their frustration and understand their fear because you, they, they don't know what like this. And once when you understand their frustration and fear, you can do it uh, like really in a very friendly uh, gesture or approach whatever why we do this because sometimes when we talk about uh, one transaction what is one transaction one transaction doesn't mean you have to complete or establish something right at the time when the customer is in front of you sometimes it may be even you cannot communicate with that customer uh, thoroughly that customer may still uh, take some material home and then they may uh, spend some time at home or with their friends or whoever understand it, and then they figure out something, and then they will come back to the library. So I believe your friendly um, gesture, your friendly approach uh, is to make your customer willing come back to you. And I'm going to provide some of my handy-dandy customer service <laughs> um, advice too and um, how my um, approach changes when I'm working with someone who I believe um, has a, 
an, a primary language that's other than English, I tend to talk with my hands and use props. So when we talk about library card, I actually pull out the library card. I use that welcome sheet. I have them type in their pin. Um, most people who have issues speaking English actually feel much more confident writing English. So sometimes when there's an issue, I've even, you know, put out a piece of paper and it's like, hey, can you write this down? And they'll write it down for me. So um, I found many different ways. And of course, like Wilson said, that friendly attitude of actually just being really open and patient with someone and just showing that it's okay, we're going to figure it out together um, usually makes um, that customer service interaction um, go smoothly. So, I had the other day for the first time actually a, um, a conversation with someone, very, very pleasant customer who uh, spoke a language fluently that I have no idea about and I we, we just couldn't communicate and so on the recommendation of the new Lilburn manager, Vicky Perez um, I actually used, because I had my mobile device on me, which I started doing that after a security training I'd gone through, and so I happened to have a translator on me through Google Translate. They have a new feature, which is super handy, which is you can actually pick two languages, and then both speakers can speak at the same time, and it'll detect, hear it, and automatically translate for you. And so we were able to very, actually, smoothly interact, but it was the, as Wilson said, it was the body language that made the conversation actually fairly smooth and very pleasant for both of us, and there was no nervousness. Uh, and then, of course, that creates a great environment where someone can then come back and feel safe and feel like they can have a maybe a regular spot with, a, of course, a local government employee who is empathetic and understanding. And so there is a lot said, I think, just by smile and patience translates through pretty much every language. Um, but I think that just being able to wrestle through to the end and not get in a mode of this is frustrating or this is a problem to be solved, when actually it's more like a just putting ourselves in that spot because I think when you start to learn another language as well, you certainly say, wow, this could be really hard to come to the end of my abilities. And I would want someone to have some graciousness for me. And so to give that to people is a very memorable gift, I think, to give. And hopefully it creates a lot of loyalty because we want to, of course, make it a safe place for everyone. And then as their language develops, hopefully we get to build those um, customer service relationships. So you guys have given us some great advice um, about customer service interactions and what you do at work. But what would you? What kind of advice would you give to fellow staff members who are learning another language? Um, so for me, I would tell them to try to practice their language skills as much as possible and not to be afraid about making mistakes. Um, for example, I try to listen to podcasts and I try to read Italian or speak it when I can. In the past, when I was studying abroad, I made intentional choices about where I was going to live when I had that option. So there was one time I was um, in Italy for an internship. Again, I was very fortunate. But instead of living with other English speakers, I intentionally found a roommate who spoke Italian and then her other uh, language was Bulgarian. So we could only converse in Italian. So that was really an opportunity for me to kind of increase my language skills. It was a great way to be able to kind of immerse myself more in that culture. Um, I would also say that if someone 
does correct you, listen to what they're telling you and try to remember what you learned. I have at least one story, at least one, about a time that I learned that I was mispronouncing a word and saying something vastly different than I intended. And while it was embarrassing at the time, it's those kind of experiences that stick with you and help you improve. Years ago when I embarked on getting diversity started at GCPL, this wonderful system sent me to Spanish classes. And one of the professors that I had talked about seeing your brain as having a lot of roads on it. Your primary language is 285. You, you use it rote. I mean, you don't even think about speaking in English. It's just, it's just how you travel with language. And when you're learning a new language, you're carving out a path. So I picture like not even a dirt road, just like something you're walking through some grass. And as you keep walking, you start defining a path. And what you want to get to is a cobblestone path because you won't maybe ever be like a native, but you can be sure-footed enough that you can interact with customers. And so you strive for the streets (laughs) because if you don't keep it up, the grass will grow back <laughs> and you'll have to start all over again. And that image has helped me a lot as well. You know, now you're getting, you're getting stones on there. You know, you better turn on the telenovas <laughs> so you can just, you know, remember. But it's, it's an adventure. I think it's fun. I think it is nothing to be f- afraid of. It's about curiosity and keeping your brain limber and keeping your connections with your customers really good. Um, I found that with languages, it's really useful to just know uh, kind of memorization tricks. So we have a couple of great resources in the system that I checked out. One is a 13-disc audiobook called Super Memory. It's like six authors. And then there's a hyperpolyglot named uh, Benny Lewis, and he suggests, which is so brilliant, um, firstly, that you confront the lies about language learning, which there's a lot of really tempting things to believe about language learning that aren't quite true. For instance, that you can't learn a language when you get older. And so if you are, you know, a septuagenarian, it's tempting to believe, well, I can't do that. That's actually very not true. You may be a little more adept in your younger years, but um, there have actually been plenty of language learners who have mastered multiple languages past the age of 50. And so that's encouraging and that should be encouraging. And as well, language learning is incredible for the brain, as uh, as Karen had said in in this audio book, uh, Super Memory, it talks about how that actually is a skill that if you start practicing it, uh, it does delay early onset Alzheimer's and as well, it's great for dementia and Alzheimer's. And so those are powerful ways to gear up your brain. Um, and then another just great, I think, cornerstone trick to just know about memorization as a principle is that we don't memorize words. We actually memorize in pictures. And so that means that when you're memorizing, if you can convert what you're trying to memorize, how it sounds into a picture, and especially the more ridiculous or the more memorable or irregular the picture, that actually gets solidified much, much, much faster than trying to just say something over and over, which it's proven has little to no effect, actually just rote memorization, as we call it, which is it's kind of taught that way. Um, but I there's words that Benny Lewis uses in both Mandarin and in French that he said at one time, he gave a word picture, and I still remember it. And so I think that that's um, part of... Part of it definitely is diligence, but you can actually supersede even the hard work by doing smart work. 
I can certainly speak to learning languages after the quote-unquote prime time, which is actually when you're about two years old. So most of us are probably past that. I learned Spanish in middle and high school, and in those situations, you are in a very structured environment. You go to class probably about three times a week, hour sessions at a time, for about eight months a year. And that Part of my Spanish learning was, I'd say, about five years of that structured environment. And then after that, it became up to me. And when it was up to me, it was a lot harder to uh, continue to improve. When I decided to start studying American Sign Language, I did not have a structured class environment, and I realized that I needed to manufacture that for myself. So I set aside specific times in my day, at least half an hour if I could. Um, Ideally, I would study for an hour at a time, and I would try to do that three to five times a week because especially when you're just starting, you really need to roll up that momentum, and you need to create that discipline so that you can make a classroom environment for yourself. If you are interested in a language and you're thinking, oh, I'll just do five minutes here, 10 minutes here, that strategy works after you've gotten past some of the fundamentals, after you've started some of the building blocks. When you're first starting a language, you really need to spend a lot of time getting probably about 300 to 500 words of vocabulary just to start feeling like you know how to navigate. We don't realize just how many words we use on a daily basis, but that is definitely something that you can break down into manageable chunks. So when I started studying American Sign Language, I checked out a book in our system called The Joy of Signing. It is not like a regular sign language dictionary, which just goes A to Z. It is structured in themes and in units, just like we would do in school. So if you think about junior hires that are trying to learn Spanish, you have a classroom uh, week that's dedicated to food. You have a classroom week dedicated to going to the store. You have those different themes that help you structure your learning. It can be overwhelming when you realize, oh, I studied 30 words on food, but I have no idea how to talk about the internet. (laughs) That's okay. You have to learn in themes, you have to learn in chunks, and that's why it is helpful to study more at the get-go so that you can start building that vocabulary and not feel quite so disappointed um, at how far you have yet to go. And that is the main takeaway is that, of course, language learning does take time, so if you condense that time to start with and you're doing say three hours a week then after you've built up some of that foundation you can ease back a little bit later but you have something to work with now so for sure my recommendation when starting to learn a language is building vocabulary and if possible grouping that vocabulary into themes and focusing on one theme or one group of vocabulary at a time 
once you've mastered, I'd say, you know, 10 to 20 different groups of vocabulary, uh, 10 to 20 different themes, then you have enough to work with where you can start trying to build sentences, start trying to have conversations. But it does take um, a little bit of time just to get the sand in the box is one metaphor. Uh, If you want to be able to communicate, you need the words to be able to use. You can't build sandcastles if you don't have sand. So you need to get those words in your sandbox before you can start building sentences and communicating in conversation. When learning a new language, you do have to build vocabulary. And um, it's it's difficult um, when you're not surrounded by it. Um, so um, you do have to practice. Um, I've had uh, people come in needing help basically and I need to expand my vocabulary in this area they're they're very they pinpoint because this is their job they have a job and then they need to pinpoint vocabulary like say in a grocery store that's where I work I need to know how to say this I need to know what to do and I just you know I need help with that so um, vocabulary is very important and um, and then you start building from there for sure we have heard a lot of good ideas how to learn a new language. But to, um, what I'm thinking is, uh, in addition to all these good ideas, the, it is really, really important to have a plan. Because learning a language, it looks like a little bit this, a little bit that, and then how often do you do it? Of course, we are talking about practice, use it, apply it. When you get a chance, you you uh, you ask people or or get a chance to talk with people or whatever. Okay, but it doesn't matter. Whatever way you feel comfortable, you go by it, and then you make a plan. What is a plan? A plan is okay. If I'm I'm practicing my listening skill, how often do you practice it? When I'm free, or when I have time? So, this is not what we. Uh, say have a plan. A plan is, okay, every week I have to spend 30 minutes. It doesn't matter Saturday or Friday or what. Every uh, week I spend 30 minutes on practice my listening. Like um, Sarah said, building vocabulary, then how do you build your vocabulary? Then I would make like, for, ex- for, exam- for example, 20 minutes a week or what to do vocabulary. So this is what I call a plan. A plan that make you um, do it often and regularly. So, so, and also, um, there's a way like uh, some time ago at one point, I did it for myself. It works so well. It is. What about if you don't have technology to help you? What about if you don't have uh, people to help you? What about if you don't have this and that? It is uh, very simple that you can always do it. It is um, reading a book of that language. I mean, of course, you have to have some knowledge and grammar background about the language. You can understand that language. But the point is, after understanding that language, um, who is going to help you to practice your uh, speaking? Who is going to help you to practice your writing? Okay, if nobody, I'm reading a book of that language. Because... Books are written by other people. 
when you don't have a live person helping you, the book is like somebody they put their words on a book and then you read their writing and that looks like somebody is talking to you. You have always with a, a, a correct grammar, correct uh, phrases, correct words. Everything is so 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 uh, so good and so so correct. So if you keep learning this in your mind, your mind is full of this type of thing around you and then you believe it or not at one time you may feel your um, improvement is slow but after a period like I don't know everybody is different maybe six months maybe a year or three months you will feel the breakthrough so we've talked about language learning and customer service but how do you think GCPL can better serve our ESL communities So I was at a meeting recently where we were talking about uh, cultural fluency. And, you know, despite the fact that we're doing a really good job of hiring more staff who speak a variety of languages and have different backgrounds, and the fact that we have a number of tools for staff and customers to use to communicate, there's a lot more that we can do to look at our facilities and look at our programs, look at all of the ways that we are helping and serving those customers that we interact with a day, on a daily basis um, and evaluate really, is the library welcoming for this person? You know, are we understanding their cultural norms and being respectful when we approach them and communicate with them? Um, are we providing them with the things that they want? And, you know, in more ways than just throwing out a program that's on a topic, you know, that we think that they might be interested in, but really evaluating and talking to them about what are the challenges that you are facing? How can we help you learn the vocabulary that you need to perform really well in your life and your job and your other um, interests and activities in your life? So I think that we you know, are making great strides just by being aware of these things. But I expect that as time goes on, you know, we're going to continue to refine and get better and better. And we have a wonderful gift in that we have such a diverse community. So we have so much to not only teach the community, but to learn from them. Thank you. Thank you so much for saying that, Christina, because that that is so important. You know, we have a lot of wealth, a wealth of materials and services But we still have things to learn. This is not the community that it was even 10 years ago. And we have to have our big ideas sort of in pencil because until we really navigate what the customer wants, and that's through conversations, through interactions, through customer service, through filling out the end of the program planning form to see did this work and why not. And what can I do next time to make it work? Or do I need to do something else? So we have to position ourselves as students as well as service providers. Because in that way, we also even the playing field and have the opportunity to grow even more into how we can serve the community. I also think JCPL is um, trying to better serve our community by hiring people with um, different backgrounds. But I really see it here that they're really striving for um, making a better um, library to all, to everybody in the community. 
So um, just uh, bringing programming in their language, uh, things that we offer here at GCPL, there's a plethora of information that our community doesn't know because of the language barrier. So just trying to bring that to the community for them to know that um, the help is here, the language is here, that we are available to them, all, all the resources that GCPL has is for them and that we're willing to do that. So I see um, that GCPL is moving towards that, but we have a lot to cover, definitely. So. Um, I'm just happy to be part of, of seeing it grow. I just want to say that, uh, firstly, actually, I want to say I'm really grateful that from the top down, it really seems like the prioritization has absolutely been on not only language expansion and consideration for all the demographics that do exist uh, and the hiring as well. Um, if anyone went to Sarah and Vicky's um, bilingual um, staff day training last year, it was brilliant because they showed the the demographic breakdown of the whole county and then they showed the demographic breakdown of our staff and it was almost identical um, which I hope everyone thinks wow that's amazing that's that's very um, considerate of, of everyone of course who does the hiring and so that is amazing um, secondly I want to say that a lot of great things exist right now um, Vicki and Wilson do a great job with Let's Talk and with English in Your Language those have been great resources for anyone in the community who wants to improve their language skills and as a facilitator, you definitely stretch your own. That's for sure. Um, I also think that just because we have uh, many demographics of different speakers of different languages in our system, um, that's a great thing to to channel those. Um, those are rich resources. And obviously, it's a rare thing if you have a Korean speaker, a rare thing if you have a Cantonese or a Mandarin speaker. And so those are great sessions that we've kind of begun to do. Um, STEM, we've just been given a grant with GCPL to do STEM in Spanish, STEAM in Spanish. And so I know that um, there's a, a rollout that has has begun to go around with some really fun programs, bilingual. Um, at Hamilton Mill, we're starting something just called Primeros Pasos. I'm the only um, Spanish speaker there currently, but it's basically the, the idea is to get weekly an intro to Spanish, which demographically, people of every ethnicity have expressed to me that they're interested in learning Spanish. And so that is, for me, a great chance as well to just tie in not only linguistically but culturally uh, the, the connections that you can have with people. Because I think when you start to learn someone's language, you really get a hold of their culture. And then empathy is also a, a creative space that begins to grow. And so those are really fun things that we uh, take advantage of there. And then bilingual story time as well that exists pretty much everywhere. And that's a wonderful resource for people to learn about. And the more that you do, culturally especially, you tend to get uh, connections that never existed before. So I think that those are highly valuable as we utilize those. And I'm so glad to hear that we're doing them in other languages. That's amazing. Thanks to Daniel for mentioning the last talk and the English <laughs> in your language. GCPL, um, we do uh, um, expanding these two uh, programs. First, uh, I believe um, let's talk the history is more than 10 years, I, I think, or, or, or almost 15 years. So first we started with um, Let's Talk, and then a few years ago, maybe three, that we uh, started uh, English in Your Language with now currently we are serving Korean, Vietnamese, 
Chinese, Spanish, and Japanese at least. And we are still looking into this, uh, into the possibility of expanding the languages or even the way that how we do it. For example, like Christine said, um, uh, we are ex- expanding it into the, our community like uh, outreach. Okay, And so far at this point, as I know, the Gwinnett County Public Schools, they are doing the dual language immersion program. So this is really, really a big part that uh, the library can do something to support this program. Staff don't underestimate the importance of speaking a little of a language. You don't need to be fluent for your language abilities to be helpful. So if you do serve a community that has a lot of non-native English speakers in it, Spanish is, of course, the most popular non-English language in Gwinnett County with over 150,000 speakers. That might be a great place to start, though certain libraries have bigger communities of other language speakers. Just learn the phrases that you say every day in the library. Do you have a library card? Do you need to print? (laughs) Those common phrases we use all the time. Even if you feel awkward or clumsy, at least you'll be able to facilitate those daily conversations, even if you aren't food enough to put it on your resume. Well, at Centerville Branch, um, we have started to do several story times in different languages. So we are doing story time um, in Spanish. Also, we are doing a STEM program in uh, Spanish as well next month. Um, 3D printing, introducing 3D printing to the parents um, of children. And also, hopefully, hopefully, we get to start doing um, homework help, helpers, or homework help. Um, which we've had a lot of parents say, hey, we need help, Um, but also um, it would be helpful if you speak the parent's language, which is sometimes fluently in in Spanish. So um, they need help for their children in homework. So um, we are starting to do that as well. And then um, also (laughs) I have Libros en Español, which I'm, it's a book club in Spanish. So I have a lot of people that um, are actually interested in learning Spanish. So they come, they want to come to the book club, even though they're not fluent in Spanish, but they want to have the conversational skills. So also, um, uh, we are also having Hablemos, which is a let's talk, but in Spanish, because they have the grammar they have the, the background, the, the building blocks, let's say, for Spanish, but they don't have anybody to practice it with. So they come to us and um, they are enjoying it a lot. So um, we've started that at Centerville Branch and I hope it keeps growing, not only in Spanish, but in all the languages um, that is necessary. So. And as a special treat, we're going to end the podcast a little differently today. Um, Some of our lovely staff members have volunteered to um, say goodbye in the language of their choosing. They will um, just say goodbye. And I guess this will be a learning opportunity because you can try to guess what language they're saying goodbye in. Arrivederci, spero di vedervi in biblioteca. Adios y espero verlos en la biblioteca. Buenos días. Au revoir. A plus tard. Joy again.
Adios y gracias para su tiempo. Hey, that was a great conversation, Melissa. This is Steve Thomas, the branch manager at Collins Hill, and I'm going to have a conversation here with the leaders, uh, organizers of our more formalized language programs. Could you guys introduce yourselves, please? Absolutely. Hi, <laughs> my name is Vicki Perez, and I am the branch manager at the Lilburn branch, and I am also the co-facilitator of uh, language programming, and I'm currently offering English in Your Language at Lilburn. Hello, I'm Wilson Young at Suwannee Library, and um, my position is library associate. I'm the coordinator of the language program, and also I facilitate uh, the Chinese group English in Your Language at Suwannee. Can you guys tell us, the listeners, what is Let's Talk first? What is the program and kind of what's the thinking behind it? Well, Let's Talk is an opportunity for our more advanced language learners to practice their English and um, maybe be exposed to new vocabulary, speak to people from different walks of life, hear different accents, and also to kind of work on accent reduction and on pronunciation that maybe they may not have gotten to in the um, throughout the duration of their language learning journey. So that's that's pretty much what what we do with Let's Talk. <laughs> okay, and it's it's fairly informal. Is that correct? It's that not is, like a formalized. It's not, this is not a formalized classroom environment. Absolutely, it's usually more of a roundtable discussion where everyone kind of sits around a table and, and we talk about um, a specific topic. Like, let's say, for example, um, we talk about uh, like current events if something if something big has happened in the world like you know with um with the 50th anniversary of the apollo that was a very popular let's talk discussion and um it, it is very informal usually people we sometimes people, we don't even get past the icebreaker because people talk, want to talk so much about their own personal life but i mean that's that's what we're trying to do anyway we're trying to get people talking so yeah they, that would be a success in our book I would say Let's Talk is uh, an option for our customers. Say like our customers, they go to ESL classes, taking formal school classes, but sometimes because of the um, schedule, sometimes because of whatever their lifestyle, they may not be able to attend school. And also even for those who can go to school, but they want more. Because in school, sometimes even they learn, but they don't talk too much. But in our program, the library is definitely a place that they can do more talking casually, feel free, and they have uh, more flexibility, uh, flexibility to do it. And without judgment, which is also very important. <laughs> right, and, and it's informal, it's conversational, so it's not intended to be... You're not learning formal English where you need to know how to diagram a sentence or anything like that. You're trying to learn just how to talk to people. And I think it's interesting, too, that it's not so much like the English in the right language, which we'll talk about in a second, is people who speak Spanish come to this. People who speak Chinese come to this. Let's talk is whatever you speak, come here. You're going to speak English here, but you can speak Russian, you can speak Chinese, you can mm -hmm. speak... Spanish, you can speak Ukrainian, whatever. Come here and speak English, and we can all learn together. Yeah. So we get lots of people from all walks of life, and it's very cool um, to see people who represent all these different cultures come together, speaking English and learning from one another. And so, what about the English in your language? What, how is that different from Let's Talk? All right, so. Steve brought a very good point because uh, Let's Talk. The customers they come from uh, different walks of life. 
from different countries. So in the program, the only thing is they speak English. If you don't understand, you don't understand. So that is why we know that some customers they may be a beginner in learning English, but they really want to participate in this type of program. So it is about in 2017 we came up this idea that for those customers like um, maybe Spanish speaking, Chinese, Korean, Vietnamese. They are the beginners, but they find it a little bit challenging in uh, attending the Let's Talk program. So we created first. We called it the um, English Learn and Talk. Mm-hmm. And about last year, we uh, changed the name to English in Your Language. That means, um, for for example, uh, for some Chinese, they join the Chinese group. The Vietnamese they join the Viet- Vietnamese group. Okay, so when I say the group, it is the uh, GCPL staff. They speak their language. Then in that case, technically the program is still um, in English because the goal is to practice English. But the good point is, sometimes they may not understand how to express or even don't understand what some English mean. Then the staff can help them. Speak their in uh, speak their language that easily get them into understanding what it is and then back to English. So still the main point is English, not the particular language they speak. Yeah, the staff that speak uh, their language are there to answer the. How do you say da da da? Como se dice da da da? And it's it's really great because it offers um, the customer. An opportunity to to have a learning experience where otherwise they would just have to go to a phone and or like you know like go to a dictionary and like look up the word and maybe get the answer maybe not find the answer but this is giving them kind of a shortcut to that. And how many branches are offering um, Let's Talk and how many branches are offering English in your language at this point? I will say for language, uh, I mean for Let's Talk is approximately average at least ten. Sometimes maybe eleven, twelve, maybe nine. It's about this, or even thirteen like this. And um, English in your language is approximately between I will say five to seven like this. And what languages are we offering at this point?、Uh, we have Vietnamese, Korean, Spanish, Chinese, and Japanese. Japanese.、Mm-hmm. And one time we had、uh, Russian. So every session, it depends on the needs. We've also had French. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it depends on the need, and then just and the staff available、yeah. to offer that. Obviously, absolutely,、yes. it depends, and so that's why、um, our program offerings vary from、uh, from session to session because it really depends on which branches are have staff available to offer this to the public. And、um, that's why we we have different languages that we offer.、Um, that the languages vary because depending on which staff people can facilitate the program is the languages that we can offer. <laughs> so as now staff understand what the programs are, if they didn't before,、uh, what can staff do to help make these programs successful? Like other than maybe leading them, but what can they do to help make this successful? I would say like staff help like、uh, when we have flyers, give the flyers to customer because sometimes the customer in front of you, that customer may not need it, but the customer may have relatives, family, neighbors, 
wherever may need it. So spread the word and and tell them the program that we have, and also sometimes maybe taking flyers to your church, to your community, wherever you think is good or pro- appropriate or have the potential. Thank you so much for listening to Flip the Library. 